Blog Talk Radio. There is a chance for the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. New world coming. America will become increasingly vulnerable to hostile attack on our homeland. And our military superiority will not entirely protect us. Not protect us. Americans will likely die on American soil. And I believe it will also be said of this age, the first decade of the 21st century, that out of what is, will be seen as the greatest restructuring of the global economy, perhaps one even greater than at the time of the Industrial Revolution, a new world order was created. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. Now, get ready to enter the zone where real life is stranger than fiction. The place where the news may seem like a dream, and the dream may be a matrix of reality. Let us now expose all lie of the devil and bring to light all the secrets of the enemy, because God truth will set you free. John 832. You're listening to This Week in the Zone with your host and watchman on the wall, Phil Armstrong. Hello, welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Phil Armstrong, and um, hopefully y'all having an awesome day. Um, I'm starting to see that I only got 15 minutes due to I have no idea. I just changed it to an hour, but I uh, did not register, um, so I'm going to keep trying. Uh so let's see if I can change it. Yeah, here it is. Okay, so um, I'm going to be able to change it to at least 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, it corrected itself. So welcome to the Prophecy Zone. Um, I'm Phil Armstrong, and we're going to be talking about, of course, the title says, Is the Bride Rapture Ready? Uh, we are in the end times. We are the very last days of the last days. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all are people who have studied Bible prophecy and see the signs. Uh, now, what I want to focus on today is, are we rapture ready? I know there's a ministry called Rapture Ready. It has no affiliation right now with the name um, versus the name of the ministry. Uh, but I do want to articulate that... We are living in a jellyfish Christianity society and um, that has no backbone and is not, is not trying to even stay with the true doctrines of Christianity. Now, uh, everybody's religious, and, and let me give you my take on religious. Religious is man's way of trying to make God out of what they think God should be. Man's way of making God what they think God should be. Now, you can have bits and pieces of the real true Christianity, but leave out a lot of pieces. Now, it's like a giant smorgasbord, um, uh, all-you-can-eat restaurant. You go into the restaurant and you can and there's hundreds of foods on this selection and um you can pick and choose what you want 
Now, if you were on a diet, you could not go into that restaurant. If you were on a health diet trying to make yourself live a lot longer, you cannot go into that restaurant and pick what you want to pick. You would have to be specifically specific specific on the food that will keep you alive. Um, Christianity, in other words, does not allow you to eat sugar-coated candy and and garbage, if you're going, to, and I'm kind of, I'm comparing the two together, the physical with the spiritual, and um, you can compare um, those two together because Jesus is even using his parables. For instance, he used the um, towing of the ground, the, the the fertilization of a ground, the harvesting of a ground, uh, to compare to a man's or woman's heart. So I'm using the physical today with the spiritual. For, for for instance, um, strive to enter in to the narrow gate. And I kind of compare, because I just lost 70 pounds. And you cannot lose 70 pounds unless you're one, two things, either sick or you strive to enter in through the narrow gate. In other words, you strive to lose that weight. Now, you can lose the weight with time and the proper diet, but you still have to strive to enter in. So, the body, and this is probably not the norm for everybody, but the body is looking for certain nutrients and minerals. And um, Jesus even used the analogy, sort of, when he was talking to the devil. It says, man not, must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he was sort of comparing the two. He was saying that it is just it's more important to eat spiritually than it is to eat. It's just as important to eat spiritually than it is to eat um, physically. And he was just on a 40-day fast. And I don't know, I don't know when the devil came. Was the devil came at the end of the fast, <clears throat> in the middle of the fast, or what? I'm pretty sure he came a few times. But for the sake of what I'm saying today, I'm going to say he came at the end. And Jesus was saying that the spiritual was just as important as the physical. But for today's show, I'm going to elaborate on my losing 70 pounds, and I still got another 70 pounds to lose, or another 50-something pounds to lose. But you you cannot just say I'm going to lose weight and then still eat the same food you were eating and still work out the same way you were working out. Now, there are certain activities that you can do to stay active and still lose the weight, same amount of weight that an individual who is very, very active, well, you're still going to lose the same amount of weight, but you might lose it in due time, and he might lose it or she might lose it quicker. But you have to stay active. So there's some basic principles that you have to do to lose weight. Now, there are certain people who can lose weight over a year. There are certain people who, should, who, who steps out and tries to lose weight even quicker. Now, I know the actors and actresses who uh, want to play a certain part in Hollywood lose it really fast. And, and, and people say that's not healthy. But a lot of those actors and actresses started off skinny anyway. I mean, they could have been 180 pounds and they needed to be 144. Um, so when when I went on a diet, 
God started showing me things inside of my diet that uh, I started to see myself because I didn't feel right. And I, I, I mean, you know, before I, because everybody's on a diet. You can be on any type of diet. You can be on a fast food diet. You can be on a Snickers diet. You can be on a a good diet. Uh, you can eat all green leaves. You can juice. I mean, there's a mixture combination of diets, of course. You can be on a beer diet. Everybody is on a diet because everybody eats. However, uh, to live longer, you have to watch what you eat. So, particularly saying whatever dominates your food, that's the kind of diet you're on. I mean, so if you're talking to somebody and say, I'm on a juicing diet, then you're on a juicing diet. So that's the main thing. But everybody particularly is on a diet. Uh, and everybody has to eat and everybody has to have, you know, something to eat or they're going to bite their nails off. But um, as far as the Christian faith, to be ready for Christ's return, I, I'm going to use uh, eating and physical diet as an illustration. Um in order to have a healthy spiritual life, you have to eat. But it's not the type of food that we're talking about uh, when we say eating. Food, cheesecake, diet, you know, Pepsi or salad. What we're looking for in the spiritual realm is the healthy dose of the word of God. When I say the word dose, that means one time or two times or five times a day. What we truly need is a healthy relationship with Christ. The word of God gives you that. And the word of God will give you your minerals, so to speak. It will give you your tools to fight against the evils of the devil the wiles of the devil. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's just the equivalent of saying my people are destroyed for lack of food in the physical. Who is going to sit there and hold themselves back from eating? Americans love to eat. Humans love to eat. Animals love to eat. People will kill for food. But see, their spiritual is dying. But see, they don't know it. I equate I it. I equate the, 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 the I equate being saved and the importance of being saved to a person who knows they're drowning and asks for help. But I equate A person who does not know they're drowning. You say, how could that be? You walk up on somebody and they, they just, oh, you know, they, their hands are flipping out, water splashing everywhere, and they don't know they're drowning. They, of course they know they're drowning. But the people of today do not know they're spiritually dead or spiritually drowning because they're already dead. They're dead. 
So when you walk to Walmart or you go to school or you go to your place of business or you go to work, you're looking at dead people who don't know they have already drowned and are dead in their trespasses of sins. And it is our duty, our duty to walk up upon them and save them for drowning. And if this cannot happen, then their blood will be upon our hands. People today are eating a nasty dose of religion. They're eating a nasty dose of spirituality from these preachers across the United States and across the world who don't care about anything else but the bottom line. Now, could I speak for many preachers? No. I can even speak for those right now who mean well, but are deceived themselves. The people on the pew are killing those who are on the, on, on the, on the pulpit. You say, how? Because they're tolerating them. It's like a loophole. Somebody said today, are the people in the pulpit the reason that the people on the pew are dying. The people on the pew is the reason the pastor is dying. Number one, lack of prayer. Number two, they don't pick up the Bible themselves and hold the preacher accountable. Say you blaming the people in the pew? No, I'm gonna go back to blaming the person in the pew pit. But it's just like the United States government and the people. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a country. It's a government for the people by the people, and is representative of the people. The church is not about one man. Neither is about five thousand preachers. It's about the whole body of Christ. And it's like almost a revolving system. Sort of like the body, the real true body. You eat food, the planishes health to the body, and it comes out in the droves, as the Bible says. And then you eat again, and it goes out, goes into the body, planishes the body, comes back out and it does this from the baby all the way up to the old man so you you hear the word from the preacher you take it in you you go back to the pastor you take it in but instead of doing that which is the normal norm for American Christianity today to let the pastor breastfeed you or or slowly give you a bottle of, of the word and then you're good with that bottle for the rest of the week. Don't pick up the Bible but three, maybe two times and say, I'm good because I went to work listening to J. Vernon McGee or Pat Swindoll in the car. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We are very weak. 
without the Bible. You must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, keep in mind that bread is just one selection of food. Every word. We should grab the word, just like Joshua says, and meditate on it day and night. I don't have the time, though. I want to watch American Idol. I don't have the time. The NCAA tournament is on. I don't have the time. I have to go see the Noah. I don't have the time. I got to go to golf. Now, I'm just thinking of all the useless things to do. They're, they're important things. Matter of fact, today I got to go up to the school and, and, and me and my son has to go to a meeting on how to transfer from, from elementary to junior high. And he needs prayer. <laughs> so pray for him if you can. I'm not coming at you to talk about the society because I got a few shows for that. I'm boiling to get to that part of the society that we live just in the days of Noah. That would be an excellent show because the movie Noah is coming up next week and I will be doing a show probably tomorrow on Noah. And I'm going to go see the movie and hold my breath because I could tell looking at and just hearing the reviews on this movie, I'm going to want to throw up. You give me the Son of God. I want to go see the Son of God. It's 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 not like Jesus was his eyes were turning red and you know, of course the Bible did say that, but it's not like he was married to Mary Magdalene that make the movie so bad. The movie is bad because it leaves so much out. You say, Well, the movie's not six hours like the old Jesus of Nazareth. Listen to me. Whatever scene they Edit. He says he bends down to a little girl. Says these stones, my little girl, would not be here after you know. I mean, come on, man. He was specifically talking to his disciples and whoever was around, but it wasn't a little girl. Or when he says to the lady caught in adultery, you know, where's your accusers? And they say, okay, goodbye. And the Bible says, go sin no more. That is strong coming out of that mouth of that actor. Because I don't call him Jesus. And then I hear ladies saying, oh, Jesus was fine. I mean, is that blasphemy? Please help me. We are on a crash course to destruction in this country. And we have left the word of God. Now, I want to read something to you because I haven't even read it because I normally try to read it before the show starts. But I wanted to read uh, the church of the word to the church of Philadelphia. And um, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing and then I'm going to point out what I want to point out. This is a long chapter. So actually, I'm going to go. I'm going to look. I'm going to see where I can find it. Okay, um, okay, I'm going to read verse 10. Um, so it's talk, he's talking to the church of Philadelphia, and it's chapter 3 of Revelations. He's already talked to the, he says, I, I, I have opened the door, and no one can open it, no one can shut it. 
And then he says, um, you have a little strength, which I want to elaborate on, too. He says, you can't stand those people who hold to the, um, behold, I have made them of the synagogue of Satan, which are not Jews and are not, but, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship at your feet. And then it says a key thing in verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee out of the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world. Now, you read this right. He's saying you... Now, don't let the word patience throw you off from the the word word it says because thou have kept the word of my patience the word is supposed to be held now when they talked about in Romans that they uphold the word of truth in unrighteousness they are holding the word in patience they are holding God's word in patience. They are keeping his word. And they are meditating on the New Testament as well as the Old. But they are meditating for direction in life. They are holding the word as, its, as life's basis for existence. And their identity is in Christ Jesus. And they want nothing else but to please the master. You say, where do you get all of this from? I get it from the whole Bible. Your word is a lamp to my feet. We are walking in a world of darkness. And Jesus is identified as the word in the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. We must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The only way to be a follower of Jesus is to take it as if he's here today, which he is in the Holy Spirit. And he is guiding you. And without repentance, there is no salvation. Without leaving the immoral way of life without integrity, without leaving that, you would not see Jesus. You would not see God the Father. You would not enter heaven. So without repentance, no one will see God. So is the bride rapture ready? You are not going to hear the trumpet sound unless you are 100%, 110% dedicated to Christ. Do not sit around wondering why you didn't get raptured. You have to be identified as belonging to Christ and no one else.
You are not your own manager. You are a self-free agent. You belong to you. That is why Christ says, that's why Paul says through the Holy Spirit, which is Christ, in Romans chapter 12, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will not see Jesus unless you make an about face, which is repentance from your sins. And I'm not talking about just alcohol and drugs and, 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 and being a bad boy or girl. I'm talking about total dedication to Christ. Now, I'm going to level with you. I was listening to a um, radio program from um, the Prophecy Zone. It was um, Susan and Brenda and Chris, and and it was a, a, a good show. Um, and we were talking about, you know, the end times and things like that. And um, I was enjoying it. I was up at about 10 o'clock last night, and, and I was enjoying it pretty much. Uh, I'm probably going to put that show on to my account again and replay it. But um, it fascinated me how we were talking about different religions and, and how the church world is is, is, is um, reacting. Uh, and um, what we were talking about was that uh, today's uh, generation, today's society, today's church has no idea that uh, Christ is about to return. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Noah and and the end time uh, similarities between the two. And uh, Noah's uh, world was destroyed um, because, of course, there were no one to carry on the mantle of God. In other words, Noah was preached and no one listened and he went to the ark and shut the door. And um that's exactly what's going to happen now, folks. And so uh as you look upon the church, uh you see the parable that Jesus gave uh in the time that he was walking the face of the earth where uh, he gave the parable of a farmer had a worker who went out into the fields and the, the worker noticed that the the uh, wheat was growing and it looked good, but he noticed also that the tares started popping up. And he says, look, master, the, the, the wheat is growing, but the tares are there also. He said, let it grow. Let it go ahead and grow because at the end of time, um, I'm going to take a knife and I'm going to cut those two up and I was going to put the wheat into the burns and I was going to burn uh, the tares. And um, the word of God says um, that judgment will begin in the house of the Lord. And we know that the Bible says and uh 
1 Corinthians 15, that in, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, that we shall be changed. And that's a quick judgment, folks. And I, I don't think nobody is actually paying attention to that. That judgment has already begun in the church where you see these preachers collapsing and falling. But don't take your eyes off the preacher. Put your eyes back on the pew. Because the people in the pew aren't holding the people in the pulpit responsible. And we have become dead in trespasses and sins. We have become blind to uh, the pastor. We let the pastor get away with murder because he's a man of God. And then we kind of like throw in the David part where David was a man after God's own heart and he fell. And um, Solomon was one of the richest men in the world and he fell. I mean, but what happened to those guys is that they went back to God. Or at least David did. Um, Solomon didn't do it until he's almost dead. But my point is, is that these pastors still have to repent. That's why David was a man at their own, God's own heart. Um, I, I, I like to live my life this way, folks. What you see is what you get. And what's under my covers and in my closet, I can open up wide to you. I like to live my life. Um, I like to live my life knowing that God sees everything, even in my mind. I told my wife I was going to get a um, a program on the phone so she'd know where I'm at. You know, because this is the end times. Anybody would cheat on anybody. Uh, I think society is sick. If you see a good pastor, that's not necessarily saying. He's a, I mean, you never know what's in the dark. We never know until we stand in front of God to give an account. Um, a lot of people are going to stand at the great white throne judgment where everybody's going to go to hell. Um, and there's the Bema seat of Christ where everybody's made it to heaven. I believe, and this is probably a, a, a this is probably a prediction. This is not there says the Lord. But from what I see, I believe in 10 years, everybody will be where they're going to be. You say, what, is that? what does that mean? In 10 years or less, everybody on planet Earth will be where they're supposed to be. In other words, there's two roads. There's two decisions. There's two choices. It's heaven or hell. I don't care what age you are. You're going to be where you're supposed to be. Because if you're under the age of accountability, which uh, when Jesus left his parents uh, and went on to do something, you know, go to the temple, of course, when they finally found him. Now, that was a big entourage that was traveling with Jesus's family. Um, and um, they finally found him and they came and said, must, you know, I must be at my father's business. Um, and I don't know if that was a way that the Bible is trying to tell us that 12 years old is, is a good average of accountability. I said on yesterday's show that I don't know. It could be an 8-year-old that's smarter than a 16-year-old. I mean, I've seen that before. So um, the age of accountability. But anyway, getting back to my point is that everybody that's under the age of accountability will, of course, be in heaven. And everybody after the age of accountability will have to make a choice. And that choice has to be for Christ. 
Now, getting back to the church and how the church is to be ready and how the bride is to be ready, it first starts with a relationship with Christ. But it all starts and stimulates from the word of God. If you lack knowledge, open up the Bible today and start a regimen of loving God's word. And if you don't love it, ask him to have you love it. Ask him to change your heart. Because you're drowning if you're not saved. You're dying or you're already dead. We are dead if you're not born again. So technically you're dead spiritually. So when you walk to Walmart and you walk through there, the majority of the people are dead spiritually. They're alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. Now, remember, the soul is your thinking apparatus. It is your decision-making apparatus. You make your decisions with the soul. The spirit is the breathing. When God breathed into Adam, he breathed the spirit into him. So when I hear people say, well, he took his last breath, that's the spirit being released. Now, I believe that the human, the soul, actually goes with the spirit. And the body is the only thing that remains. So, the spirit is where you serve God. It's where you want to serve God. The spirit, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh don't want to do nothing, folks. And the devil attacks the soul. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So technically, you're losing your personality, your, 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 your will, the thing that makes you you. And, and it's being picked up and put into a new body and sent into hell. But this time, I do believe, this is me, I do believe that the memory will be intensified a thousand times. So you will remember, be able to, God wants you to remember every day you didn't serve him. The bride of Christ is being prepared, folks. And a lot of people have taken out, a lot of preachers have taken out the pre-trip rapture. And the reason why the devil wants the pre-trip rapture gone is you're not going to prepare for Christ's return because you have to see the Antichrist, the false prophet. You have to go see him going to the temple. You have to see the 144,000 Jews, the two witnesses. You have to see the microchip, and you have to see the beheadings, and you have to see all these things, and you're not going to get ready. That's why imminence or not knowing the day and hour that Christ is returning is so important. Now, I do believe that Jesus Christ will return on the Rosh Hashanah, but that's something that is just me. And I, I'm not going to sit here and preach it to everybody. You notice that on my radio shows, I'm not going to mention it every five seconds, because I want you to be ready at all times, just in case something happens, an accident, and you, you die. You get into a car wreck and die or something, God forbid. But you have to be ready at all times. You have to be ready. And going back again, where we say we want to hold God's word in patience. 
the Bible says in Luke, it says, in your patience possess ye your souls. Just because no one else is serving God does not mean that you don't serve God. Because I think it's a cancer, a spiritual cancer to not, to, that this is supposed to be a Christian nation, but no one's serving God. So therefore, in the subconscious mind, oh, I don't serve God because no one else is doing it. Now, you're not going to say it on the top surface of your mind, but you're going to say it way back in the back of your head. My sister's not serving God. My friend is not serving God. You know, Joseph's not serving God. The person's down the street's not. My coworkers are not serving God. My fellow students are not. My military personnel, especially now, since they're trying to go in and take out Christianity out the military, because the military technically had a lot of saved people in it. You have to. There, there, there are no atheists in foxholes. But Jesus is calling you out to prepare right now. And I'm going to read Luke. I got like 22 minutes right quick. So I'm going to go ahead and read the book of Luke because it's so important. And I keep coming back to the same scripture. And it is so important that you take Jesus's warning because it's in Matthew 24. But the reason why I'm not reading Matthew 24 is because I think Luke 21 is outside the tribulation period going in. And I think that Matthew's 24 is the tribulation period. A lot of, but I also think verse 8 in Matthew's 24, prior to verse 8, is pre-trib and is setting the stage for Ezekiel 38 and 39 to be fulfilled. So, um, let me read this. And it says in verse 34, it says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, with drunkenness and the cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare, that's why you have to be careful at looking for signs, because the Antichrist is not going to be here yet. And as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell upon the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What is this standing in front of the Son of Man called? What is that? It says that we all should appear before the Son of Man, meaning the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. Back in the Roman times, as they uh, were in the Colosseums, they had... Um, uh, what is called their form of sports, where they fought against lions and they fought against each other, and they fought. Well, it was the sort of like the Olympics, and you would stand in front of the bema seat of the judges, and they would give you your award reward. Now, the Bible talks about um, in in Corinthians that we will all receive an award, and some will receive an award of gold. Some will receive a reward of hay, I mean, of, of bronze and hay and stubble. Um, and, it, and he also compared our works to these type of rewards. I mean, what, what, what makes your reward, uh, what makes what you're going to earn in heaven? Now, we don't, we're not saved by works. But how do you know that what you're doing is solid for a reward to stand in front of the Son of Man. Because this is exactly what that means. It says, 
Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy. How's that? What do you what do you have to do to be accounted worthy? Number one, you open up your Bible and you practice it like a doctor. Or you practice it like a kid that has algebra. But self your whole life is an algebra problem. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny or nothing, folks, but you cannot say you're saved if you can cook a Thanksgiving meal with more intensity than you do read your Bible. We have so much things to do other than read God's word. We have just a busy life of doing nothing. Nothing has any eternal weight of value. We just want to do what we want to do. The gospel according to you fill in the blanks, X. You know, that's why they say Malcolm X or, you know, Billy X or whoever in the Muslim nation of Islam, the, the word X is to replace their slave name. So I say the gospel according to X. Not the gospel according to Jesus or the gospel according to, you know, the, the apostles or whatever. It's the gospel according to you filling your name with a blank. George, John, Marianne, Ray Ray, whoever you want to say. Because when we say this is what I think the Bible says, and we don't even read it in the first place, it cracked me. People crack me up when they say, well, this is what I think the Bible says. When's the last time you read it? Well, I read it last week. Well, you start. Okay, I have no idea what's going on, but the thing shut off on me and it shuts back on. But anyway, um. I, you know, as time goes on, I'm going to be left. Probably God is probably going to tamper tamper me. When I mean my tamper is, is I'm going to have more compassion when I'm talking. Cause so I've came a long way. I was like last, I was listening to an old show of mine. Hell is the most hated truth in the world. I'm going to say it again. Hell is the most hated truth in the world. It's hated most by backslidden theologians and preachers who are liberal. They hate the message on hell. They wail and gnash their teeth against the very idea of an eternal hell, especially if there's wrath and terror and literal fire. In fact, if you were to give the tape of this message tonight to a majority of liberal preachers here in New York City, they listened to it. They wouldn't be five minutes into it about right now, in fact. I mean, their face is going to turn deep red. Their veins in the neck are going to pop out. And the first thing they're going to do is either flip it off or they're going to say something like this. That man is crazy. He's uncouth. He's uneducated. He's putting fear and guilt on people because hell is nonsense. The only hell you get here on earth. Now, that, those kind of preachers would be better off to quit the ministry. They'd be more honest and go out and get a job. And I'm not being facetious. But you see, they say that hell is not compatible. It's not compatible with the love of Jesus Christ. That it's not compatible with the mercy of Jesus and His compassion. And human nature recoils at the very thought of eternal damnation, everlasting torments, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. And so this truth, from the very first time it's been preached, but this last day, and more so now than ever, the message on hell has been ridiculed, it's been softened, it's discounted. Every effort's made to explain it away. 
Yet God is not ashamed to declare his wrath against sin. I'm going to read you a scripture. Now, ministers are ashamed of it. I mean the backslidden liberal preachers are ashamed. All they preach is the love of God. Nothing else. And they get mad at any other preacher who even mentions the wrath of God. And yet my Bible is full of the fact that God, being a holy God, is also a wrathful God against sin. Jesus warned about this over and over again. Jesus preached hell more than any Pentecostal Baptist preacher on the face of the earth. He preached it to his friends. Now, I'm going to take you to the Scriptures. Don't, don't turn, just follow me. I'm going to take you to Luke 12, 5. Listen to what Jesus said to his friends. He's not talking to prostitutes and alcoholics now. He's talking to his disciples. Listen to what he said. And I say unto you, my friends, do not be afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more power in what they can do. But I'll tell you who you shall fear. Fear him which after he's killed the body has power to cast you into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Who said that? Jesus said that. Folks, if Jesus said it, I have a right to preach it. Every preacher in America should be preaching because Jesus preached it. He preached it to his friends. He preached it to those who were saved. He said, I'll tell you who to fear. Fear him or after you're dead, he can cast you into a hell. Fear him. Jesus turned on the Pharisees and the scribes and the hypocrites. He said, you snakes, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how will you ever escape the damnation of hell? How will you escape the damnation of hell? Jesus is preaching it over and over again. Yes, Jesus preached hell. He warned about hell. And yet we've got preachers, even Pentecostal and Baptists and charismatic preachers, that say, that's doomsday, we don't preach hell. Have you ever heard a prosperity preacher preach on hell? You never will. All right, what is hell like? What is hell going to be like? Fasten your seatbelts. And I'm not trying to be sensational. I'll tell you what, I've, the fear of God's in my heart. The Bible said men love darkness more than light. Is that in your Bible? Men love darkness more than light. The thought of God, by the way, the very thought of God right now, the very thought of holiness makes sinners cringe here, doesn't it? How much more is it going to make them cringe in hell? If they won't come right now, remember the rich man who died and went to hell and he's in torments, and he asked Abraham to send somebody raising the dead to talk to his brothers? He said, if they will not receive the prophets that are alive, they won't receive anybody those raised from the dead. And the same thing goes for hell. They will not believe though someone came from heaven to hell to preach. That kind of darkness is going to believe a lie. Now hell, listen close, now hell is more than just being forsaken by God, abandoned. You know, there was a time I preached on hell. Some of you heard me preach in Brooklyn Tabernacle about five years ago. And, and I, I, I was trying to save God's personality and His character. And I was saying, you know, it gives God no pleasure. The death of the ungodly gives Him no pleasure. And I was trying to protect God. I was trying to be easy on God. I, in other words, don't get mad at God because of hell. And I've been rebuked by the Holy Spirit. Yes, God does get no pleasure in the death of His saints. That's as long as the cross is there, the day of redemption is available, but the day of His wrath is coming, the Bible says. A day of vengeance. When God takes out His vengeance on sin and the ungodly, everybody in hell is going to be the object of His punishment. 
Hell is punishment. It's not just a prison, it's punishment. It's terror. It's vengeance. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them. I saw that again today. In flaming fire, God taking vengeance. You know what that word vengeance means? Retaliation. Payday. Wages for sin. It's payday. God says it's payday. And God says, I'm going to spend my vengeance. Jude said, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Suffering the vengeance. Paul said, for we know him that has said, vengeance belongeth to me and I will repay, saith the Lord. For it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord. Fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Listen to me. If there's no hell, why is it a fearful thing to fall in his hands? Answer it. Anybody tells you that no hell says, then why does the Bible say it's a fearful thing to fall into his hands? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Those who are in hell are not in the hands of the devil, they're in God's hands. They're not in the hands of the devil, never in eternity. He himself is being tormented. He is under the wrath of God. The Scripture says they are in God's hands for an eternity. And how long will God hate sin? As long as He's God. He cannot stop hating sin into eternity because that's His nature. He'll hate sin all through eternity. As long as there's a God, He will hate sin. He will hate it as long as there's a hell. And there'll be a hell. There'll be a hell as long as God hates sin. And the devil was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and he shall be tormented day and night. Now, folks, when you read day and night in Revelation, that doesn't mean, well, that's, that doesn't mean it's in eternity, it's in time. No, that's a figure of speech. You look it up in the Greek, it's a figure of speech meaning everlasting, nothing more. You can't build a doctrine on day or night. It's a figure of speech meaning everlasting, that there is no day, there's no night, it all runs together for an eternity. Hell is a place of rage and hatred toward God. It's a place of rage and hatred toward God. Listen to me very closely now. I, I used to believe that when people went to hell, they'd start crying out for mercy, they'd repent and say, Oh God, I'm sorry, and hoping there'd be some way of mercy. But you know that the Bible says that when God begins to pour out His judgments on this earth, even before eternity comes, even when God just begins to scorch men with heat, with fire, when he has the angel. And by the way, I, I've heard preachers say, well, God doesn't, God doesn't scorch anybody with fire. Oh, he's got angels that are going to do it. Oh, yes, he's got angels of wrath. going to pour out his vials of wrath upon the earth. But I want you to listen to me. There's a, there's a scripture that says there's the fourth angel, and it's found, I believe, in Revelation 16, the fourth angel that said forth, to scorch men with fire. Now this is a taste of hellfire. I, they're being scorched with fire, and what do they do? Wouldn't you think that if God began to send an angel to New York City, and about five million people in this city were absolutely scorched, or I mean 80% of their body was scorched with fire, and yet they're still living, and it was known that it was the judgment of God, do you think they would repent when there'd be a revival, and when the judgment's coming? No, you know what they'd be? They'd be more cursing against God than there's ever been. There'd be more hatred toward God. 
We'd have men all over the city shaking their fists at God, cursing His name. You want proof? Listen to what they did. These who were scorched with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give Him glory. Well, the wizards will sin, is death, what's against them, God is eternal life, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're listening to the Prophecy Zone. Unbox Talk Radio. Welcome to the Prophecy Zone, the place to stay informed about current events that line up with Bible prophecy. And now... Your watchman on the wall and host, Bill Armstrong. All right, I'm back. Hopefully y'all can hear me. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end the show. Uh, I just want y'all to go check out uh, our website at www.truthelementnews.com. And uh, we're going to uh, read our news there and every day. And also www.pzrn.org. Uh, so, uh, God bless y'all out there. I don't know if y'all um, heard um, David Wilkerson uh, and what he was talking about as far as uh, uh, the world and, the, and how the world is portraying Christianity and how uh, people are not serious about uh, repenting uh, because they have their own version. Like I said before, before I got cut off, um, people are not really seriously because they've been told certain things about the church world, by the television, by the movie, by their friends. And, you know, if it is, if my friend's not doing it, I'm not doing it. If my girlfriend's not doing it, I'm not doing it. If my, my, my homeboy ain't doing it, I'm not doing it. And then you don't really have to say it on the surface. I mean, you can you say it in sub, sub, subconscious. And you act it out. Uh, that we are in the last days. Um, men, men like love um, darkness rather than light. And uh, they to be exposed. And um, if you don't want to be exposed, you're going to want to stay in darkness. You know, people don't want to walk around the house with no clothes on, even with their you know spouse there. And they normally put on some clothes because they don't want to see the uh, I think we took the Garden of Eden and noticed that they found out that they were naked. And um, they wanted to
you know, I could take this spot and that spot over everything else like that. Yeah, that's your selection of your own gospel. Like I say, the gospel recorded the same way as the gospel recorded for me. You have been listening to The Prophecy Zone on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to check out our website at www.pzrn.org. Also, like us on Facebook at Prophecy Zone Radio News and at YouTube at Prophecy Zone. Be sure to check us out next time on The Prophecy Zone as we explore the past, observe the present, and hope for the soon future return of the Savior Jesus.